Hello, I'm Scott Winnale, and this is TW Now. Welcome back to our regular viewers, and it's great to have you with us if you're joining for the first time. Since the first web page was served on the open internet at the end of 1990, the internet has become a powerful tool for commerce, political movements, education, and so many other aspects vital to our modern day life. In recent years, the internet has become a widely used communication tool, and even a tool used to topple governments and through which to wage cyber attacks on other nations. The internet has come a long way since its inception, perhaps further than its inventors ever imagined. It's truly an engine of worldwide commerce, including global banking. But with the advent of the internet have also come large risks to corporate, governmental, and even personal data security. With powerful advances in computer technology, and monopolization by industry leaders, some have even forecast the death of the internet as we know it. And this can be seen in a recent article in the American Conservative magazine entitled, The Death of the Internet, on your screen right now. What does the future hold for the internet and so many facets of our modern societies that are built on it? Will the internet die or change radically from what we have today? Today's knowledgeable and returning guests will share some insights that you may not have considered before, and they'll do so with insights from the Bible as well. I'd like to reintroduce Mr. Wyatt Siselka. It's good to have you back on the program with us today, Mr. Siselka. Thank you. Good to be here. Mr. Siselka has, a, in his professional career, has worked in and around the internet and high-tech industry since about 1993. Most recently, he's overseen a web design and development department requiring him to remain very current with changes on the, in the internet. He's also very familiar with internet security, thanks to this recent job post and his professional development. Mr. Siselka also happens to be a minister, so he'll bring that side to our conversation today. Mr. John Meekin, great to have you back with us again, sir. Mr. Meekin is a seasoned journalist who has focused his research on many different aspects of our modern society, including the internet and technology. Mr. Meekin is also a student and a teacher of Bible prophecy who will bring this thoughtful perspective to our conversation today. He joins us via Skype from the south of England using the tool of the internet. Gentlemen, again, welcome back to both of you. By the way, for our audience, if you have any questions as we carry out our discussion, please feel free to message us and we'll do our best to address some of your questions. We also invite you to like, subscribe, and share today's program. Well, Mr. Meekin and Mr. Siselka, we'll start with you first, Mr. Meekin. Let's go ahead and jump into our conversation today. Mr. Meekin, can you give us just a little bit of an idea of what the internet is? And as Mr. Siselka, you get a chance, we can talk maybe about the, just a little bit about the history of the internet as well. Mr. Meekin. Well, thank you very much. Um, I just think this is the most wonderful subject to talk about. Um, when we think of the internet, uh, really we should be thinking of uh, a web, uh, a network of networks, of computers spread all the around the world, thousands upon thousands of them, all able to think, or think, but be connected together and share information. And the internet uh, really began, I suppose, about in the 70s, and it took some 20 years or so before a gentleman by the name of Tim Berners-Lee, an Englishman, um, who uh, came along, and not in a sudden flash of uh, a moment of inspiration, but over a period of time working in the environment that he was, uh, began to 
think through how this internet could be used for the ultimate advantage and for the good of the largest number of people. And so he thought of, came up with the idea of the World Wide Web. Now, actually, that sits on top of the internet. So I'd just like to make that clear, that the internet is one part, a major part, of a digital revolution that is sweeping the world. It's enormous in its impact. But the World Wide Web that sits on top of it has made it usable and ac accessible to a, a phenomenal number of people. What do they, they say around about now? Someone, some, something like 4 billion people have access and are connected to the internet. Uh, and so it's very important to look at that, also to look at the values which Berners-Lee brought to it. He didn't make any money out of this, but what he saw was something that would be open and free and anybody could access it. And, uh, and that involved identifying everything, uh, naming everything, putting an address on everything, so that everything could ultimately share a single information space, a network of networks. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Okay. Mr. Soselko. So uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Scott, Mr. Meekin. <clears throat> good, to, good to hear from you using the power of the internet to talk to you across uh, the Atlantic. Uh, just to recap a little bit, and um, you know, a lot of people think of the internet as uh, Facebook or Netflix, right? Um, people are very f comfortable with uh, streaming content and so forth. But the internet um, is much bigger than that. It began around 1969 um, with a, a message uh, over the ARPANET network between UCLA and uh, Stanford, crashed the system after you know typing in just a couple letters. Uh, so that was 1969, about 50 years ago. Uh, it was a DOD and education, so DOD is Department, Department of Defense, Defense United and States. Education uh, Initiative. Um, and uh, it, it, of course, rapidly developed or evolved, as, as Mr. Meekin mentioned in 1989, um, Tim Berners-Lee uh, <clears throat> wrote the first um, code to de develop what would become the World Wide Web, making, uh, having a graphic interface on top of the, the internet so that we could, um, you know, less technical people could, could search and communicate. Um, this is ancient history for a lot of our audience, but then you fast forward, you have something like AOL. AOL became um, a platform where people uh, with less technical capabilities could message, talk to each other, research things. In a way, AOL was a precursor to things like Facebook and Google. Um, it was a central platform, repository of information. Um, people would go, you know, the internet to people back in the 90s was AOL, right? That's where you got your messages and things. Uh, now it's, it's much bigger than that. Um, the internet is not just Google and Facebook, it's also uh, machines and devices that are connected to each other, whether it's thermostats or heart rate monitors or your Fitbit or intelligent shirts, um, or even at the gym where you might go work out, the treadmill or the elliptical or the, the machine uh, may connect to the cloud and tell your um, you know, software you're using how well you're working out, send health data. So the internet is, is, is large and um, I guess that's sort of where it was and in 50 years what it's become. So it's large, it's, it's growing, it definitely is a tool to share information across, frankly, across the globe. It seems like it really has met some of the aims of its original designers in that way. Mr. Meekin. Uh, yes, absolutely. I think it's very important to dwell on the good of the internet. Obviously, it could be used for a good purpose um, or um, a nefarious purpose. 
Um, but overwhelmingly, Mr. Berners-Lee had good uh, intentions in his mind. And basically, he wanted to make to, um, accessible to uh, the, the largest number of people possible all knowledge in every field. And that's a very worthy uh, uh, aim. And to put it in an ethical context, he wanted to do something which was to make the web yours. He didn't want to own it. There is no center to it. There is no corporation controlling it. His job was to put in place a whole series of protocols, uh, rules, if you like, standards, if you like, to make it all work and to make it scalable into infinity with nothing to stop. That's where he was coming from. And, uh, you know, we could spend all, all day discussing all the good. Uh, so, just a couple of examples, might I, a surgeon in London, uh, a heart patient in India about to die. You you have the right equipment and uh, both ends, and a surgeon in London can use a remote and do a heart operation as well, if not better, than in London. And so many examples you can give of the good that it has done, and is doing, and will do in the future. Good, good, and uh, and convenience. So uh, a surgeon can access uh, medical information, expertise from around the world when he's performing or she's performing surgery. There's also convenience. Um, which also can be a danger. Um, so, for example, convenience. Um, smart uh, refrigerators uh, that, that know when you're low on milk and place an order of milk. Uh, smart um, televisions that record uh, your favorite show. Uh, home security systems that uh, keep out the, the bad guys. Those are, are uh, safety things, they're convenient, uh, but um, those can also be used for, for, for bad. Um, Back in 2016, the FBI issued a warning about the danger of those types of devices being hacked. And within about a year, I think it was October 2017, um, there was the largest DDoS, distributed denial of service attack ever uh, in the history of, of the world uh, that was launched. And what, what, was, what launched it? What devices, what uh, bad programmers sitting you know, in their basement hacking away, we're, we're executing this denied, this distributed denial of service attack on Netflix and Facebook and Twitter and brought down DIN, D-Y-N, one of the largest um, hosting um, and internet uh, gateways in the world. What, uh, what brought down DIN and Facebook and Twitter? Your refrigerator, your DVR, your medical devices, your home security system. So there's good and bad. Uh, these, these, these devices that help us uh, have an enjoyable, better life can be hacked mm -hmm. and can launch you know, malicious attacks on, on unsuspecting targets. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating how we move forward so much with technology, yet it's the technology itself that can be a problem. I've got a question for you. This may move us forward in our conversation a good bit, but I think it relates as well. This one comes from a viewer on YouTube, and thank you for the questions, by the way. The question is this, and it actually takes us back to Babel, uh, the time of Babel when the languages were confused in the Bible. And maybe, uh, Mr. Meekin, we'll go to you first, but maybe you can uh, give us a little bit of a reference on what this person's talking about. But it, the question is, is the Internet playing the role of a one-world language, thus unconfounding the language that God confounded at Babel? Interesting observation. Um, I think in short... Uh, short answer is yes. 
because its avowed aim is to bring people together. Point of Babel and what God did there was to separate people because he knew that when they all get together and under nefarious influences, the result could well be very bad. So I think, yes, we have an internet which is bringing people together, it's sharing knowledge, it's sharing understanding, and I think it is actually contributing uh, to the speeding up of the accumulation of knowledge and the meaning of knowledge and how knowledge can be applied. And when it comes to language, I'll give you a little example. Um, my regional director gave me um, a communication from somebody in Switzerland in French. And he said, oh, take care of that, will you? <laughs> so I went on, on Google and I fed that in in French uh, into a translator, um, got out the English equivalent, drafted a, a reply in English, fed it back into the Google, came up with a, uh, a reply in French and sent that to my regional director and said, how about that? <laughs> so yes, it is able to, to cross the language barrier with relative ease, depending on how good that software is. Mm. Remember back in, in Genesis, uh, didn't look up the chapter 11, maybe where the Tower of Babel account is, um, <clears throat> uh, the, the person asked on Facebook or, or YouTube if, um, if the internet is sort of you know, re trying to reverse that. Uh, remember there, God also said that, um, that when all of humanity was together, nothing that they put their mind to do would be withheld from them. That, that basically humanity would be able to accomplish, that's what God says in, no in, in the Bible. Yeah, no more impossibilities. So, um, there, you know, we know that if you, if you also go back to Genesis, we know there was a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Mm. Uh, you know, it's not, it's not all evil. There's um, I improvements in, uh, in transportation. There's uh, improvements in efficiency and logistics, things like that. Even reducing the cost and the consumption uh, to heat your home or, or, or air-conditioned cities or heat cities, the Internet can help manage devices, manage heating and cooling. But, um, but there's also, you know, a lot of potential evil. And um, I, I do think that um, we, are at a, we are approaching a point uh, where there's a, probably going to be a tipping point and <clears throat> the governments and the well-intended people um, are going to begin to be overwhelmed by the bad actors. That's one of my concerns. I know Tim Berners-Lee and others are worried about that as well. By the way, go ahead, Mr. Just one more, one more comment on that. <clears throat> this is Tim Berners-Lee's book, Weaving the Web. You can see that not being reflected too much. Um, it's, a, it's a bit dated now, but I've been reading it and, and looking for any indication of anything nefarious in the background, uh, which is somewhat the implication of the, of the questioner. Is this an attempt to undo Babel? I don't think so. Um, it's not really even intended of itself to make the world a better place. It's intended to uh, help the, the world communicate better together in the hopes that that would lead to positive events. And he himself isn't particularly religious, but I was looking for it and I found it. And it, 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 it didn't, he wasn't this way when he started to design the World Wide Web, but later on he and his wife went to a church and it was a Unitarian Universalist church. And he explains in his book how that sort of fit in with his mentality and um, the, the values in a sense that he brought to uh, his plans for the World Wide Web. And the beliefs of this church aren't Christian, uh, they aren't uh, any one particular church like that, but they take a bit from here, 
a bit from the Hindus, a bit from this, a bit from that, different philosophies, and then they sit around and discuss it. No. The, I, I want to add quickly. You know, the, the, some of the earliest pioneers, they were um, they were not. T um, allow me this. Uh, they were not immoral. I mean, maybe they acted immorally. I'm not saying they were all deeply converted Christians. I, I don't want people um, thinking I'm saying that they all were, but they weren't. They weren't necessarily evil or immoral. They were amoral. Uh, so the internet was not designed to be evil. Um, it was designed to allow for the free movement of, 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 of information and between people and between machines. <clears throat> um, you know, it's like the old analogy of a tool. You know, um, a, a tool can be used for, for good or for evil. So, so morally neutral? It, it, it was sort of morally neutral. The problem is, um, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. And we know that there's um, typically uh, in large democracies over time, uh, they tend to go downhill. And, and, and we know the history of the world is full of uh, fraud with, you know, war and you know, oppression and evil and things like that. So that's why I'm a little pessimistic about the internet being used uh, predominantly for good. But just to be fair, it wasn't built to be evil. It wasn't built uh, to oppress, enslave, you know, people. It was built right. to be a, a tool for human advancement. Well, let's press forward a little bit, if we can, because <laughs> I do want to move forward. Um, Mr. Sasek, let me come back to you, and actually both of you, but Mr. Selka first. What are, what are some pressing threats against the internet or from the internet do we see today? And maybe relatively briefly we can touch on a few of those. Yeah, I'll just mention two quick ones. Um, these are sort of uh, just two of, of many. <clears throat> One would be censorship and, uh, and, and accessibility and this argument over net neutrality. Um, so that's a threat. Uh, what is net neutrality? So net neutrality um, is a very politically charged um, bunch of, of legislation, frankly. Um, so depending on who you believe, right, because people uh, have a tendency to listen and watch their, their choice of news sources and believe, you know, there's bias. But net neutrality is um, the argument that uh, everyone should have access to uh, stuff on the internet without needing to pay more or without being um, uh, inhibited or slowed, slowed down. So I'll give you a quick example. Mr. Meekin is over there in the UK, and we're here in Charlotte, and we're talking to each other, and he can access our YouTube account, obviously, and, but he could also access our YouTube account, and he could watch videos on our YouTube account. Um, his internet service provider, uh, the regulators, the FCC over here in the United States, nobody's really stopping him from accessing our YouTube account. Now, if we violate terms of service that YouTube or Facebook or others would have, you know, that's a different story. But in general, they're not stopping him from accessing our account uh, because the, the net is somewhat neutral, okay? We're not giving pref preferred treatment or worse treatment our YouTube account. Um, if net neutrality were to go away, um, some of the Tim Berners-Lee, Google, uh, a lot of these guys are worried that what you would have is local internet service providers or the big telecoms who would say, you know, we don't want to allow access to the Tomorrow's World YouTube channel because the Tomorrow's World YouTube channel doesn't align with our, you know, morals or they're not doing business with us. So maybe Mr. Meekin would not be able to access our YouTube channel without paying more mm. to his ISP. That, that's, a, that's a threat. Another threat, I, I know I'm going long, is uh, frankly hacking. Um, again, I, I refer referenced it earlier, uh, nine, uh, about uh, two years ago when you had um, internet service providers brought down because of, uh, of the Internet of Things launching an attack, you know, 
on, uh, on internet service providers. Mm. Mr. Macon, what other threats do you see out there? Okay, uh, back in 2002, um, I was able to meet uh, Tim Berners-Lee at the Royal Society in London. I, I know um, Wyatt's also met him. Um, and <clears throat> they were making him a fellow of the Royal Society. And he fielded afterwards, uh, after his talk, a number of questions. And I or my colleague, I can't remember which, asked him a question about morality and why it was he seemed to be allowing immorality uh, to predominate on the web. Now, he got very protective, <clears throat> and he, I think he's, he used a term like morally neutral. He did not see himself as the one to dictate the morals of the Internet. He'd already tried that. Actually, his book shows he tried that by, um, you know, putting in controls that really, in, in retrospect, he re realized should be parental controls. So I'm leading up to the issue of pornography. Now, I'll be blunt. If I really want to, I can turn on my computer and watch thousands and upon thousands upon thousands of images which are utterly corrupting and pornographic. What stops me? I'd be a fool to do it. <laughs> and I don't. But it's there, and it corrupts a lot of people and a lot of minors, a lot of young people as well. So parental controls, um, working through particular programs is one way to control that. But that's a bad use of the, of the web. And there's the so-called dark web. I don't know what the dark web is. It's so dark I can't find it. But the dark web is like it's off-piste. <laughs> it's not part of the world wide web. It's something else. It's something deeper. It's something more nefarious. And that's where a lot of the crime takes place and the drugs mm -hmm. and the trafficking, uh, all sorts of things. So I think that's a big area. Uh, which impacts a lot of our viewers or the families of our viewers. Absolutely. So, dangers. Um, <clears throat> 5G is, uh, is, is here, and 5G allows for massively fast communication between devices. Um, a lot of benefits there. You can have uh, cars that are able to, you know, to get from point A to point B and avoid uh, accidents and so forth. Um, Again, medical procedures and surgeries that can be uh, coached, you know, uh, from around the world. Um, there, there's, there's something fascinating to me, um, and it's going back to what Mr. Meekin was talking about. It's not immoral, it's, it's amoral, but it's going to probably be used for immoral purposes. And that is um, people are researching the ability to upload thoughts, upload your own memories uh, to the cloud. And uh, I've seen... Um, uh, presentations where that's been demonstrated. It's very rudimentary now. It's very interesting, uh, but um, you can get, you can connect. You know, and it doesn't require surgery. Uh, you can connect to a computer to the cloud, and the computer can read. If you think about, think and focus, uh, some of your thoughts. Very rudimentary, but a song maybe that you've listened to, a book you've read, an image. It's very fuzzy. Those images and those thoughts are able to be uploaded to the cloud. Uh, they're working hard to advance that, right? To be able to, to upload entire, you know, read minds, essentially. One of the goals is to be able to um, learn more, uh, acquire more knowledge, upload that knowledge to the cloud, have access to, you know, I, I could repair any, any machine, I could, I, I'd have, I could play any, 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 any opera, because I can, you know, purchase and download and then upload and store this information. One of the concerns that the ethicists have is that inevitably this will be used for things like 
pornography and child pornography and all kinds of black market stuff. Mm -hmm. Another concern that's coming out, which I think is just, uh, just amazing, uh, I would have never thought of this, is people hijacking what you've uploaded from your own mind to the cloud and implanting false memories in your cloud, right? So I've uploaded my memories to the cloud and Apple or Google Play, they say, um, hey, you're storing memories of your vacation or, or some skill that you've purchased. There's concerns in the future that in the future, people might hack that, implant false memories in the cloud. And I'll, I'll think I took that vacation to the Bahamas when really I didn't. And then I'll not question the $5,000 that was spent on a hotel in the Bahamas well, last maybe week. Maybe you remember they, you're remembering murdering someone when you really didn't. Or maybe I'm remembering murdering someone when I really didn't. Somebody else murdered the person. Mm -hmm. So I know that we're getting a little futuristic, but um, what are some of the, of, the, uh, of, of the risks? This may sound like you know, science fiction. It's really not. Uh, back in 1990, when people, you know, there wasn't even a, a graphic interface, uh, that was only, you know, what, 40 years ago. And now we can read very rudimentary uh, thoughts from people's minds. Wow. Go ahead, Mr. Meekin. One more. Think war. Uh, nice. There was a time when war, <clears throat> you had an army that fought on land. Well, then you had a navy which would fight on the sea or submarines which would fight under the sea. Uh, and then you had uh, fighting in the air with an air force. And now, of course, Mr. Trump has announced that space is to be a theater of war with a space force. A lot of the internet activity, of course, takes place in space from satellites and so on. So all this becomes a strategic asset that needs to be protected. So what I'm leading up to, of course, is cyber warfare, mm. where actively, while we speak, <laughs> wars are being fought as different players, let's call them in general, just players in the market. Well, let's call them Russia during the last United States election, guys. Interfere, tried to interfere with elections and no doubt elsewhere. But that's only one half of it. The other half of it now is an entire department of the US government devoted to resisting cyber warfare. It's both sides and it's an ongoing war. And as, as um, uh, Tim Berners-Lee said uh, in one of those articles, a large scale emergent phenomena which has become anti-human. It's being used for nefarious purposes that he never envisioned. So let me let me jump on that. Um, so I'll give the audience three quick. Uh, you know, these are theoretical ethicists that are debating and fretting over the future of the misuse of the internet. I'll give three specific points or, or ways that the uh, internet can be mis uh, used or uh, for in warfare. Uh, number one, pretty pretty basic. Um, disrupting supply chain, right? So you're moving an army, uh, uh, a uh, you know, an army in, into an area, you want to disrupt their, their fuel, their logistics, supply chain, things like that. Okay, fine. There, there's, there, you know, because that, they're communicating, via, they're the communicating via the internet. So you misroute fuel, you misroute munitions, and so forth. Number two, disrupting guidance systems. Um, how do missiles and, and uh, you know, airplanes? Air, airplanes get to their targets? It's through satellite and, and uh, you know, it's, it's through, through navigation. Um, the, the governments, the large governments are working hard on, you know, capabilities to sabotage each other's and manipulate, not just sabotage, but mm -hmm. manipulate uh, guidance systems. Wouldn't it be a scary thought if, if uh, a bad actor, you know, launched a nuke from one of our 
submarines. Or if you know we're in a war, a bad actor sabotages one of our one of our stealth bombers and reroutes it. That's the second example. The third example, going back to what I referenced earlier, um, is um, is is mind manipulation. There 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 are a couple task forces that I've read about, and I'm sure there's some that we're unaware of, uh, that are looking into um, cyber warfare, but manipulating soldiers and generals and commanders' thoughts and minds. If people in the future start to, if, if the soldiers and the generals start to interact with the equipment and each other mm. through the internet, through, it'll begin with, um, with um, contact lenses, to be able to read data and so forth, but they already want to wire peop, uh, soldiers up in, in helicopter gunships to be able to think and shoot. Mm -hmm. If you're able to think and shoot, you're only a couple generations away from being able to think and plan the movement of an army. If you're out in the field and you're thinking and planning the movement of your SEAL team, and I can hack you, and I can have you redirect that SEAL team into an ambush, that's a powerful advantage that, a, that a, an, uh, a, a, an enemy would have. Definitely. So some really interesting, profound, scary potential for the internet as well. Uh, but also some exciting things that you've been talking about. Let's, let's move on to a question around that centers on the Bible and Bible principles. Does the Bible, Mr. Meekin, give us any insights into what the end of the age might be like? Uh, under the guise of this high computer technology and the internet. Any thoughts about that? Well, yes. Um, in the last days, perilous times will come because people will be lovers of their own selves and lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. That's human nature. And human nature will get, in a sense, worse in the way that it expresses itself as we approach the end of the age. What the internet does is allow for a faster spread of, I suppose, both good and bad uh, across the globe. And therefore, the speed of it all speeds up. And this is what gets me. I'm an older man now. But the speed of things today is enormous. And it doesn't stop just because you know about it. It doesn't mean to say it stopped. So as we said at the beginning, the Internet is part of a digital revolution that is getting faster and faster right across the board as we speak and it's not going to slow and it's not going to die now the internet's going to be terribly badly harmed by some of these bad influences that we've thought about but there's one more comment but i'd like to say that a bit later if i may well i'll just come back to what you just mentioned about the speed of things one of our facebook viewers brought this up He's, uh, this person says do you think the internet is the fulfillment of or i might say part of the fulfillment of daniel 12 4 quote but you, Daniel, keep this prophecy secret. Seal up the book until the time of the end when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase, unquote. Um, yes, that's a complex verse. And it's often used to indicate that we will reach a time when the uh, accumulation of knowledge is very fast. I won't disagree with that. But if you look very much deeper at it, I think you'll find that it's in the context of the return of Christ and when that will happen. And therefore, the running to and fro, if you look at it carefully, and in, in, the, in the Hebrew, whatever, the original language, uh, I think you'll see there's a purpose in the running to and fro. Yes, it's to gain knowledge, but in the context, it's specifically knowledge in connection with that 
that context, which is all about the end of the age mm. and the return of Christ. Okay. Mr. Selka, you had some thoughts. Well, um, as far as you know, biblical uh, mm -hmm. concepts and, and scriptures go, uh, you know, 1 John chapter 2 tells us, do not love the things of the world or the things in the world. Um, the, world off, the world craves you know, physical things, and these things are, are from the world. They're not of the Father. Mm -hmm. And so much of what uh, we find on the internet is, is our things of the world, whether it's the, mm -hmm. the very, very evil uh, pornography or, or, you know, things like gambling or, or just, just hate speech or, um, or just, just frankly wasting time. Just, you know, so much of that is, is of the world. Um, the internet can also be a, a, a wonderful tool, and I think prophetically it, it will play a part. Uh, Matthew 24 mm -hmm. talks about the gospel will be preached uh, to, as a witness to all the world, and then the end will come. And, you know, we, we, we look for Jesus Christ to, to establish the government of God on the earth and, and bring in true peace and, 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 and goodness. Uh, I, I know the internet will be part of how that will uh, how the gospel will be preached. Um, right now, people around the world can, can listen to, and watch our program. And when God is ready uh, to use uh, the internet, he, he can use it uh, as well to help preach the gospel. I think that uh, the internet will play a part in that. Mr. Meekin, uh, go ahead. Yeah, well, um, I think the question has to be asked. You're looking back at the human object of the World Wide Web on the internet, is uh, Mr. Berners-Lee. Was he being a little naive, maybe? Um, idealistic in what he was trying to create? Certainly, yes. Uh, a little bit utopian? Yes, I think so. Um, but I think, really, he should have known that human nature being what it is and the world being what it is, it wouldn't necessarily have a happy ending. And I recall a, a quote by uh, the New York Times columnist George Friedman, in one of his books, where he touched on the internet, and he made a statement which has always stuck in my mind. Uh, and roughly, it was: "It would not surprise me if, at some stage in the future, God closed down the internet." And he means by that the World Wide Web, because of all the evil, wrong, anti-God, anti-God's way of life stuff uh, which proliferates. And that didn't use those exact words, but that was a thought. That was the thrust of it all. And I think that we're going to go through a time where there's not going to be much of it left, actually, before mm. we're through. And how it's used after that, after Christ returns, I think it has enormous power for good and yeah. educational and spiritual power for good. So we'll see. But I think he's in for a rough ride. So that leads me to a sort of a, a question here, pretty much a final question, Mr. Saselka. We come back to the title of the program. Will the internet die? Um, short answer is um, eventually it will be probably uh, reborn. Um, I think uh, in God's kingdom, I think in the future after Christ establishes God's government, um, I personally don't believe we'll all just be sitting around digging you know, with a stick in the dirt. Um, I think we'll have um, some technology. So I think it will have to change. Uh, before then, and it will change for the better. It will be truly a, a, a platform of, of good, and God's law will govern how, it, <clears throat> how it's used. Um, I think before then, will it die? Uh, aspects of it will. 
Um, the ability to freely exchange information will probably become harder and harder as big companies and governments censor. Um, but on the other hand, it won't because the Internet of Things um, is going to grow. You know, medical devices, home security, smart TVs, smart watches, smart tennis shoes. Um, that's also part of the Internet. And big companies want that, they want to sell you goods and services, they want to collect that data. Um, so part of it will die, and I think part of it's going to become more pervasive. Okay. Morning. Um, yes. go, go ahead. Um, I'm temporarily distracted because a typical phone went off. <laughs> oh, the internet is calling you. <laughs> it's telling you to be kind. Don't you? Oh, so we, we turn off the uh, portable devices, but the, the landlines keep going. I've chucked it out the window. <laughs> um, <laughs> I wholeheartedly agree with all that Wyatt has said there. And I'm particularly encouraged by one thing I read in some of our background material, which you circulated, is that Mr. Berners-Lee is really quite alarmed by some of these negative developments and is working his hardest. Oh, dear. He's <laughs> working his hardest to put it right. And if it, it, everybody knows it needs fixing, and he's working very hard on a program, we're told, called SOLID, and if anybody has the skills to make some changes which can uh, mitigate some of this, it's very good. And one further comment. This is a spiritual comment. I don't think you can understand this world and all the complexity of it unless you understand that, uh, according to the Bible, it's controlled by a nefarious spirit being whose spirit is broadcast. An evil spirit which works in the children of disobedience, as uh, Ephesians chapter 2 puts it. So you're talking about Satan the devil. And Satan the devil, all right, uh, yes. Um, and um, the Bible calls him the father of lies. Uh, his modus operandi, his goal, is to subvert anything that's good. And therefore, I think that's a factor at the end of this age where he's very angry, he knows his time is short, and he's busy corrupting stuff left, right, and center as fast as he can. Mm. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to wind it down now. I really appreciate both of you being here. Mr. Meekin, thank you for joining us this evening. Mr. Selka, thank you for coming back to Charlotte for this conversation this afternoon. The Internet is a powerful tool that has changed societies all around the globe. Vast distances are now covered in seconds. We've been talking about so many things related to the Internet today. The fact that technology is moving forward. We know that technology will continue to, look to move forward. We know that over time, we're going to change the way we do things based on the internet. People are going to be in closer contact with each other. Knowledge will explode thanks to the internet's help. But what is the future of the internet? It does have amazing potential. <clears throat> it has the capacity for helping and it has the capacity for hurting. It's only within the boundaries of biblical morality that the internet has its greatest capacity as has been referred to by both of our presenters today. We need some kind of mechanism that will lead and guide things in the right direction and make sure that the flow of information is godly and is helping. 
For more insight into this topic, we really do encourage you to jump on the web. Again, use this tool. Go to our tomorrowsworld.org website and look up the article on artificial intelligence, promise or peril. Artificial intelligence, promise or peril. It'll give you some more insight into this fascinating topic. Also, to discover more answers to today's pressing questions, be sure to join us each week on TW Now. Next week, we plan to discuss the coming war in the Middle East. You won't want to miss the program. Again, we encourage you to like, subscribe, or share today's program, and we'll look forward to seeing you again next week.